Sorry to pop up and interrupt you listening to the next sermon. Just to let you know that I had a couple of technical issues with the microphones this week, which has meant it has affected the recording. Towards the beginning of the sermon, there are some slight gaps where the microphone cut out. Later on, I was able to record from another microphone, so it lessens the problem. I hope this does not affect your understanding of the sermon, which will now start shortly. Thank you. Okay, let's sit and we're going to have our two Bible readings. First Bible reading is from 2 Corinthians chapter 1, can be found on page 1158 of the Pew Bibles. 2 Corinthians 1, starting at verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. If we are distressed... It is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. And the second reading is from Luke chapter 10. Starting at verse 25, pound of page 1042, the parable of the Good Samaritan. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbour as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbour? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he travelled, came where the man was. When he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, 
and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbour to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, everyone. I'm going to ask you to, to take a card. Basically, it's, it's completely at random. Brian, I'm sure, is going to help me. Brian, you could do one side, and, and I will do the other. Um, don't turn the card over yet. That means that you will, but don't. <laughs> They're completely random. They're all different, so... You can have two if you want, that's fine, you know, you can have... Take, take a couple for him. Never seen so much fear on a group of people before, thinking, what is this? Gambling, are we? <coughs> All will become apparent later on, but we'll, we'll see from there. Shall we, shall we pray? As we, as we begin praying, I'm... more opportunity to move before we begin. Starting our new series, as you'll know, called Paraclesis. And to go with the next, it's kind of like six or seven Sundays, there's a book which some of you have, have decided that if you can't afford one, then just take about, really isn't about that. So, but we are, I am going to refer to it this morning. So we'll refer to it as well. And there's activities in it as well, as well as the home group resources as well. So if you want to pick one up and you're seeing sometimes, oh, those people have got a book. Why have they got a book? Then it's quite straightforward. They, they decided to put their name down last week or at another service a couple of weeks ago. So if you're on the table, if you, and you want to go and pick one up, then please do. If not, don't worry about it. But... I will refer to certain things as we go on. Let's begin. Earlier this year, I heard J. John tell us most successful, blessed evangelist in the UK over the past 30 years. And he tells this particular story that it goes back to two. One morning, he believed God giving a particular woman. And so J. John goes and tells and says, I believe God has given me a message for a particular woman. And so 
And so he thought about it for the rest of the morning, and then he said, you know what? Be busy. An hour to get back. They've justified not going. And he didn't go. The next morning, um, I believe God. But once more, he thought, is he there? It'll take me an hour to drive and an hour to drive back. And so he didn't go. The next morning, he's waking up. It's kind of about six o'clock and the radio alarm comes on and he's listening to Radio 4 and a news bulletin starts with these words or similar. We are sad to the death this morning of Amy White. He was the woman who God had said to J. John, I want you to give the message. Some of you are thinking, how on earth could Amy Winehouse? The reason is quite simple. The house that she died in was rented off J. John's cousin. Perhaps what more of us are thinking, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, is you can... that sense of... Threat of the missed opportunity of what God might ask us to do and then we don't it's why God I'm at spring harvest and I just happen to be typing something on my iPad And why I said to George at that time, because she was worried, I said, she's gone to talk. How far it was from Minehead where we were, but I knew I had to go. Didn't know which hospital she was, but I knew I had to go. And go and be alongside her. And if you like, practice this Greek word called... This means, it comes from a Greek compound word. If you're looking on page 12 of your books, then that's where you can find a bit of an explanation of it. It comes from two Greek words. Meaning, and kaleo, meaning to call. It means someone who comes alongside someone in need and journeys with them. We might, if we wanted to use it in 21st, language, 21st century language, just say, it's love with skin on. Or just show up and be with someone who is struggling. And in the New Testament, the word paraclesis is translated over 140 times. And because if you know anything about languages, you, you will know this, that the Greek language is a rich language. So often they will just use one word, paraclesis, or its various forms, whereas in English we'll find that it's translated in a number of different words. In fact, it's more than ten. So we might get the word encourage. 
console, comfort, help, aid, assist. All these different types of words that we sometimes read in an English Bible are actually the same Greek word. And when we, when we look at our Bibles, we'll find that in the New Testament, paraclesis, it isn't really mentioned in the Gospels, the stories of Jesus' life. It's mentioned in the book of Acts, the story of the start of the church, and then the letters that follow the book of Acts, which is all about the teachings and instructions to the church of how the church should act to live out their faith. And that's where we find most of these references to to paraclesis. And frequently those words are then followed by two other words one another. In other words, encourage one another. Assist one another. Console one another. Help one another. Those are the times where we see it. What it's trying to tell us is this, that it's the responsibility of everyone in the church to practice paraclesis. It doesn't just fall to those who've been blessed with a pastoral gift. Or, or someone who, who might, get, might get a responsibility for it. So for me, when I sign a piece of paper to become the rector here, you get what's called the cure of souls of the parish. Those are the official words. It's, it's paracletic language, meaning that that is what part of your role is. It's why we often talk in this church of love 24-7 of being a key priority, of these core values of prayer, our love for God, care, our love for our fellow Christian, and share our love for people who don't know Jesus. And what both of our readings remind us about this morning is that how this love that we share flows from someone else. It actually flows from the love that each one of us have received from God. You see, before we get to the story of, if you like, that Jesus talks about with the priest, the Levite, and the Samaritan, he talks first to the lawyer. And Jesus is asked a question by the lawyer, if you like, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus Christ? And Jesus then follows up with a question. And he, if you like, gets the lawyer to answer his own question. And he comes out with these words that we now know as the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. And love your neighbour as yourself. We see it, if you like, in more technical language. We might even want to use the word more lawyer language in that passage from 2 Corinthians where if you've got your handbook, just on page 12, you'll see verses 3 and 4 of 2 Corinthians, verse 1. And you'll see there, when you look at it, you'll see how the word paraclesis, just in those two verses, is used five times. In fact, if you were to read the rest of that passage that was read for us, the word paraclesis is used ten times. See, this is what makes Christianity different from every other belief system out there and no belief system out there because there are many good people. There really are. 
Christians don't have a monopoly on being good people. Take it from me, we do not. Because there's nothing like non-Christians in this parish who love to tell me when Christians misbehave. There really isn't, you know. And so anyway, there are many good people out there who will advocate loving your neighbour. There are many fans of Jesus out there who, who aren't Christians who will just try and live their life according to Jesus' so-called golden rule that we should do unto others as we should do to ourselves. It may be in the Bible, but it doesn't make you a follower of Jesus Christ. Why? Because Jesus never separated love for God and love for your fellow human being. He never separated the two. If you do, when we, when we do that, and we do that an awful lot with children in schools at the moment, when we do that, what happens is this. We make Christianity a list of rules. And if you like, it's just part of a PSHE curriculum. And all that happens is kids just get turned off from Jesus, basically. It really, really does. There are many good people. But Jesus never called the good Samaritan good, did he? If you actually look at the text, there's nowhere that Jesus called the Samaritan good. On another occasion when Jesus is asked a a similar question that the lawyer asked, This time by the rich man in in Mark chapter 10. What did Jesus respond with? He said this, there is no one good but God alone. Or as Paul would say in the book of Romans, quoting the Psalms, there is no one righteous, not even one. This is why the good news of the gospel, as the Presbyterian minister of New York, Tim Keller, helpfully reminds us is this. No matter who we are, me, you, anyone in the world, we are more, if you like, sinful and flawed than we ever dared believe. (laughs) Yet more loved and accepted in Jesus than we ever dared hope. That's the gospel. That's the good news of how much Jesus came to live with each one of us, to show us how to live, but to die for us. It is, if you like, the unconditional love of the Father that we receive if you like, as the Holy Spirit comes alongside us and we reveals the love of Jesus. And it's that love that we reciprocate to others. That's why we practice paraclesis, because we bring the love of Jesus into a situation. You know, when Jesus was presented in the temple as a baby and the prophet Simeon what were the words he used of this baby he said and now the consolation of Israel has come in other words the paraclesis of Israel has come he was talking about the Messiah but he was talking about what the Messiah brings The paracletic love of God. 
Because the only hope we all have, any of us have, is Jesus' death and his resurrection. And when we bring the consolation of Israel into any situation, this is what we bring. I think they're the three most precious gifts that anyone can ever bring into any situation when someone is struggling. We bring the love of Jesus, we bring his presence with us, and we bring his peace. And I've been in situations and I've, and I've seen people when they are absolutely terrified of what might be about to happen to them. And I've seen how Jesus has just come into a situation and his presence and his peace has just transformed the person. And they are the three most precious gifts that we can give. And that's what paraclesis is all about. It's about living out this core value of care. If you're in your book on page 12, you'll see that there are certain, if you like, (coughs) underlying bits where there's some blank words missing. You see, in Jesus' story to the lawyer, the priest and the Levite were indifferent and the missing word is detached. Whereas the Samaritan was full of, and the missing word is compassion and care. On to page 13, the priest and the Levite, if you like, were focused upon self-focused living. Which is actually the very antithesis of what paraclesis is about, which is all about other-centred living. You know, when Jesus, the only time Jesus used the word self in the Gospels, he followed it with one word. It wasn't self-help, it wasn't self-focus, it was self-sacrifice. The priest and the Levite were, if you like, only concerned with their own journey. They were only concerned with what might affect them, whereas the Samaritan was prepared to come and stop and journey with the person who'd been injured. The priest and the Levite were focused upon self-protection. If you like this thing that is, comes so naturally to each one of us, because all of us live behind a fear of rejection, And not being accepted. Whereas the Samaritan stepped out of his comfort zone. And reached out. You see we live in a world. This is what the psychologists will tell us. Not the theologians. But we know it's true. We live in a world where self-protection runs deep. In our society. And to love as Jesus loved. Is to move towards others. Without that level of self-protection and it's only through reaching out it's only through engaging with others that we can really understand where people are at it's to dare to dare to be different it's very easy to greet one another when you come in a church and yet not know the other person is falling apart it's very easy to ask a question in church how are you and not listen to the answer or answer the question with I'm okay when we're not. You see, we need to develop this idea of awareness of other people's needs and to recognise that people struggle more than we realise. You see, one great church leader once did this. He said to his congregations, it was obviously the winter, 
And he said, right, I want you to take your coats off and put them on the hook that he'd put over there. And then, next to those hooks, he had another row of hooks. And he said, now I want you to put your masks there. Because we could spend decades in church and yet never know who some people are. And that's in our own congregation, because often people equate church with their congregation rather than everybody else. The psychologist will tell us once again, because at the heart of, human being, of every human being is this inherent fear of rejection and not being accepted. We're, to tell, we're afraid to tell people who we are, because if we tell you who we are, you may not like who I am, and that is all I can do. You know, it doesn't matter, friends, who we are. Whether we're me, whether we're you, whether we're the queen, or whatever. We are all broken people. As Will Smith, the actor, once said, never underestimate the pain of a person. Because in all honesty, everyone is struggling. Some people are better at hiding it than others. And my experience of working in 25 years of communities is this. If you live in a deprived community, you can hide it for so long, but then it just comes out. If you live in a middle-class neighbourhood, you hide it far better. But when it comes out, it's far worse. And paraclesis is all about coming alongside people who may be struggling and offering to journey with them. And one of those English words translated from the word paraclesis is this word, it's something that we can all do it's the word encourage when we look at how the word encourage is used in the New Testament, it's used in this way encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today now if you think about that, that means well every day is today isn't it, if you think about it so we are to encourage one another Encourage each other to build each other up. Encourage each other not to give up meeting together. Because remember in the context of that day, they encouraged each other in that way. It was because to be a Christian meant that you were going to get persecuted. And so people just wanted to stay in their own homes. Rather than to gather together. And there's something about encouragement where we put courage into someone, don't we? Courage into someone who's weak. Or who feels vulnerable. It's not just a friendly smile, although that helps. Or a passing compliment, although that helps. It's this tenacious love. This persistent optimism. And a steadfast faith that God can work wonders in and through every situation. Because our life is not determined. If you like, by the circumstances that we face. But the truth of God's word. You know, last Sunday my brother-in-law ran the London Marathon. Stupid guy. And as he was running round the streets of London, he was saying to me how he was cheered on. And we've seen the pictures over many, many decades by the crowds. And that, if you like, is just a glimpse of what paraclesis is in part about. 
You know, I was chatting to someone the other day, and I forget which service they were they normally come to, but they said one of the things they appreciate is that they come away from a service feeling uplifted, and that, that really pleased me. Because I know sometimes I've been to some and I've been part of some that have done the opposite. But I was also chatting to someone the other day who said this to me. And some of you were in that same conversation, so I'm not going to tell you who it was, but how a member of their family was told, or this is what they heard, by another church member who was perhaps older, that when their their children were, were of their age, that they were more behaved in the church building. And that kind of saddened me. Because that isn't really paraclesis love at all. Paraclesis calls us to be different. And to encourage one another, if we're on page 14 of our handbook, requires us to move out of our comfort zone. If you like to talk to different people, in the church to sit in a different seat it requires becoming a giver and not a getter because that's what love does it requires us to focus on how much God cares for each one of us and how God cares for other people too it requires us to be alert for opportunities But it's about seizing those opportunities when they arise rather than to plan them. Because people are people, not projects. It requires learning to be a good listener. To use positive words and to do acts of kindness. Earlier this month, I don't know if you saw any of the programmes that, if you like, remembered the 50th anniversary of the death of Martin Luther King. If you did, you'll know on the night before he died, or if you've read any of his sermons, you'll know that on the night before he died, he preached a very famous sermon called, I've Been to the Mountaintop. In many ways, it's this hauntingly accurate description of actually what would happen to him the next day. Especially with his references to Moses, And Moses not seen the promised land but was able to climb the mountain and see it. And in this sermon Martin Luther King, if you like, paints a beautiful picture of what the promised land of America would be like in terms of a free America. And then towards the end of his speech he talks of what that would take and he uses the words dangerous unselfishness. And he goes on to describe what dangerous and selfishness looks like. And he tells the story of Jesus and the Samaritan. You see, we never get told why the priest or Levite didn't stop. You can look at various reasons and spend a good time looking at them. But it probably was because they were afraid in many ways. You see, the road from Jerusalem to Jericho was a dangerous road. If you've been down the road from Jerusalem to Jericho today, like I have, you still know it's a dangerous road. It's winding. It's steep. 
You start 400 metres above sea level and end 800 metres below. You can easily slip. You can easily damage yourself. But today, like then, it was different for another reason. Because it calls us to face our fear of rejection and being accepted. It calls us to move away from what we always get taught about self-protection. To refuse to hide and step out of our comfort zone. And then Martin Luther King said this. He said, the first question the priest and Levi asked was this. If I stop to help him, what will happen to me? Whereas the Samaritan reversed the question and said, if I don't stop to help this man, what will happen to him? As Jesus said to the lawyer and he says to us, go and do likewise and practice paraclesis. And so, here's a simple opportunity that we can all do on this kindness card. And turn yours over. You see, they're all random. And this is your opportunity this week. For some of you, it will be very easy. Because you just will do that thing naturally. Some of you, it might be a bit harder. I wish I could have drawn another one now, having looked at the one I've got, but we'll, we'll see. For some of you if, you, if you, if you've got a book, you will see that each day of the next six days, there's the opportunity every day to think about this thing and to think about what it means and how that can apply in our lives. If you're part of a home group, which we're going to be looking at, or if you want to join one for these six weeks, then there's a resource in there as well of what it means to practice paraclesis. Let us pray. So gracious God, with this card that each one of us has in our hands or in our pockets now, help us to show your love to someone in need this week. And Lord, if for some of us we've never received your love. But I pray, Lord, you would come and reveal it now to them. And Lord, you would give us this week this dangerous unselfishness. To put these words into life, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.